Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Level Cap Podcast, your one-stop train stop slash Level 99 game stop for all things Level 99 games or otherwise. Wait, I don't want to be associated with GameStop. Let's let's roll this back a little bit. Wait, what? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how are you doing, Marco? Oh my gosh, Brad. Oh, the synchronization before the start. Oh my gosh. But nobody nobody on the podcast knows about that. I can... As far as they know, you've just started talking yeah, just now. I know. There wasn't a minute a minute of banter before this that'll be forever lost. I mean, I can put that in the podcast. I mean, I can just put it in. No, no, no. I think it's I think it's good if this is this is just something between us that the rest of the world doesn't have. Oh, it's our it's our it's our special little secret time. Yeah, something like that. Oh my gosh. Hello Brad, good it's morning. The, uh, yeah, this is this is this is the these are the secrets that only podcasters know. <laughs> time time spent before Mike. Ah yes. Oh, oh, that's what we like to call um this is our uh, this is one of our innovations in podcasting that we were talking about last last episode, right? It's called the pre-show and the post-show, right? This is it's a it's a segment that we never air to. That's the <laughs> that's the catch. That's that's what makes it very exclusive. In fact, literally yeah. only two people ever hear this. So. Truly, truly exclusive. Yeah, yeah, like way more exclusive than all the exclusive things you've ever heard. So, Brad, welcome back to the Level Cap Podcast. Hello and welcome. How are you on this beautiful, beautiful evening here in the Philippines? Uh, I'm doing good. It's a uh, the sun's just rising out here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, ready for another exciting day of work and another uh, exciting day of podcasting. So, um, how about yourself, Marco? Is uh, any what have you been playing lately? Huh. Whoa, that was fast. <laughs> oh, we're really well, really picking up in the place. So, welcome to um, what we've been doing, where we talk about what we've been doing. So, Brad, what I've been doing actually is two big things. Um, I've been playing a game called Tangle Deep, which mm-hmm. which is um, which is really really fun. Um, it is a roguelike dungeon crawler. So, of course, because that's all Marco ever plays, right? That's the only thing yep, Marco. Yep, plays. seems like it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a roguelike dungeon crawler. Um, what I find very interesting about it is that. It has a class system, and the classes are really, really interesting because um, I guess it's like the creator of the jobs slash the classes didn't want to be very typical with the way they did classes. So some of the classes are very atypical, and a lot of the classes, like a lot of the typical classes, kind of have cool skills that I don't really see in a lot of other games. It takes a lot of it takes a, a huge advantage of the fact that it's tactical combat because it plays like an old school dungeon crawler so there's like tile based movement you know monsters only move after you move and all that stuff and some of the classes are pretty fun and interesting like there's a like there's a class called the spell shaper which is basically their version of a wizard right and um the cool thing about that is that whenever you cast spells there's actually two components to your spell and all those are individual skills so you okay is this kind of like the one you showed me earlier where you where you customize all the spells in the game. Oh, that's Magic Maker. I mean, it's kind of like yeah. that, but like... Uh, ha- but just this one class is kind of like that. Yeah, only like like that. But like, um, what do you call this? 
It's kind of like that, but like not like that. Like you choose an element, and that determines. Well, what's like, what's what's the name of this game again? Tangle Deep. It's pretty fun. Uh, Tangle Deep. Okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, I I really like <laughs> it. If you find if you want an if you want a like tactical strategy esque roguelike with cool gameplay elements and cool classes, take it. It's fun. Uh, if if you love doing like class based stuff in Final Fantasy three or you, or Final Fantasy Tactics where you mix and match a bunch of classes, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's one. Cool. Second one is um I've been watching a play, uh a show called The Good Place. So it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. What, what kind of what kind of genre is it? It's like um sci fi slash drama. I guess okay. comedies, sci-fi slash comedy slash drama. Um, the, the the entire point is that the main character, whose name is like Eleanor Shellstrop, I think, um, she wakes up in this like what looks like a waiting room for an office, and then mm-hmm. there's a giant text in front of her that says, "Everything is fine. You're in the good place." And um, some guy in a business suit comes in and goes like, "Oh, Eleanor Shellstrop, please come into the office." She comes into the office, and then he goes, "You are dead." This is the afterlife. But don't worry. You're in the good place. Because, you know, you were such a humanitarian. And then you did this. You went to Haiti and fed some kids. And then he basically lists down all of these things that she did, right? Like, Uh she was a humanitarian lawyer. And then she went on a hunger strike, blah, 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 blah. And he says that, you know, based on your actions on Earth, we tally these points. And... People who have the prerequisite amount of points end up here in the good place. Everybody else ends up in the bad place, right? Uh-huh. And then after all of that or- orientation, blah, 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 it's like, it's like 15 minutes of the, uh, the guy in a suit introducing her to the community and to the neighborhood and saying, oh, this is paradise, blah, 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 blah. And it's like this quaint little town where like every corner has a yogurt shop and whatever. Um, she gets to her house and then she meets her soulmate because apparently her soulmate lives in the heaven also uh-huh and then she goes like soulmate you 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 would stay by my side no matter what right and then he goes like yeah and then she goes good and you promise you will not do anything that will hurt me right and he goes like yeah and she goes like okay i don't belong here i'm a terrible monster i sold fake medicine to old people as a job i think they made a mistake <laughs> mm-hmm. so that and i said so you think she's maybe in some kind of dystopia is that kind of where it goes, or? Um, it 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 kind of goes more like, yeah, she's kind. It, it's kind of like she's in supposedly heaven, right? Um, and then now the entire plot kind of is her trying to hide the fact that she's not a good person, and over time <laughs> she finds out that her soulmate is actually an ethics professor. So she spends a lot of time trying to learn how to be a good person. I see. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That sounds sounds pretty pretty neat. Huh. Yeah. How about you, Brad? What have you been doing? Well, I borrowed uh Yakuza Zero from oh. some friends. Uh so I've been playing Yakuza Zero. Um I'm just in chapter three right now. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh it's it's a pretty interesting game. I'm enjoying all the little mini games. It's kind of what I wanted from another Shinmu game, so I can now stop holding out for the next Shinmu game, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, have you played any um, other Yakuza so I, games? I haven't played any of the other Yakuza oh. yet. This was my first one. Okay. I didn't really know this series was out there. So I'm I'm glad that I found it. Oh my gosh. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite games. Glad that my friends series. introduced me to it. 
yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So I'm enjoying it a lot. You get to like just run around and live in Japan, which is, is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the 80s, which is a pretty cool time to live in Japan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, anywho, um, yeah, but it's it's fun. They do like it's it's kind of it's kind of got that Saints Row style comedy, but it's it's still pretty low key. So it's probably like you know Saints Row two level where it's it's a little bit tongue in cheek but it, nobody's like going around doing really crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. But you know, you you like punch people and you beat people up in the streets and just money just flies out of them like they're piñatas and <laughs> such like that. It's 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 pretty cute. Oh man, I love that. Um, um Yeah. Game is a lot of fun. There's a lot of neat stuff that they do in there and a lot of things they subvert in a really cool way. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Yeah. Cool. I've um you know, like, uh, well, anyway, I won't go into too many of the details, but it's a fun game. You should play it a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, there's things like you can you can play darts, you can do disco, you can uh, sing karaoke. <laughs> it's got all these crazy little mini games that are, you know, you go bowling, all this stuff. Um, I don't know. Anyway, fun, fun, uh, fun game. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing I was playing uh, recently, I started playing uh, Night in the Woods. Ooh. Um, and this is um, is like an adventure game, a uh, traditional adventure game. You know, you just go to places and talk to people. Um, kind of about the like small town. I feel like it's about small town America. Um, and I'm playing it through with uh, with my wife Linda. And every about every five minutes, she goes, "Oh, this is just like West Virginia, where I'm from." <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's you know, it's the small town. A lot of people are your your character is this twenty something who comes home from college, decides that college isn't working out, and everybody and you you meet all your old friends from high school and some of them have got jobs, some of them are kind of washed up, some of them are uh, you know they're trying to hold on to their youth for as long as they can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the things that people that they do like they go have they go have drinking parties out in the woods, they go and like. Uh, like just steal stuff just because. Okay. There's one section where you go to the mall, and your character's like, "Like, hey, we're gonna do crimes. Let's let's steal this thing." Nice. And it's something they don't even want, and it's this useless thing, but they just steal it to steal it because it's the thing to do, and there's nothing else to do in this town. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> it's that kind of a it's that kind of a life, you know. Like your main character is uh, May is the bass player in this uh, in this band, the small town band. Um, and so you get to play the bass. That's in this like DDR rhythm type game. Oh wait a minute! Um, can we can we make this very clear? I I think that listeners don't know this, but all the characters are anthropomorphized animals, right? It it yeah. It's got it's kind of like if you ever wanted Animal Crossing to have a story, this is kind of a good like a the story for anim, like Animal Crossing with a story. The characters are, you know, are like these paper cutout animals. It looks kind of like Paper Mario meets Animal Crossing. Um, the art style is super great. Um, the characters never talk about being animals, though, so it's not it's not a it's not really a I don't know anthropomorphized thing as so much as it's a stylistic choice. Oh, it's difficult. To, it's difficult. It's difficult line to explain properly, but I see. So it's kind of like like if if you if you literally just palette swap all of the characters with humans, nothing would change, right? Nothing at all in the game would change. Yeah, I see. Okay, oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, the can the char- characters don't view themselves as animals like, say they would if you were playing like Redwall or even, um, you know, Armello or something. 
you know, they don't they don't ever talk about what kind of animals they are. So I wouldn't say this is a an anthro game or anything. It's a game where the characters are are stylized as animals. That's minor point, but uh, but yeah. Huh. You'll see if you look up you look up Night in the Woods, you'll see the art style. You know exactly what it's what it is. Yeah, it's, but it's a really cool game. Um, but it it's it's kind of dark because all these characters are like they have real they have real psych, psych psychological problems. Uh oh. Like some of them are really depressed. So they're they're insecure. They're uncertain of themselves. They're afraid of the future. You know, they just have nervous stress. They're jealous. They they're like real people with real people problems in this real, you know, real people town. Um, it's probably some of the best writing I've had, I've encountered in video games in a long time. Oh, okay. If that's coming from you, that's probably a huge compliment. So, hmm. Yeah. Is this something Mark so I really, say? I think you should. I think you, uh, I don't know if you'd enjoy it, but it's certainly worth worth checking out. Uh, I mean, if just watch a Let's Play if you're not certain. Oh, that's true. My partner, you know. my partner has a copy of it. I gifted it to them. So hmm. you'll, I mean, you can you'll know in the first ten minutes of watching the, uh, you know, watching the intro whether this is the kind of thing that you're you're interested in. I see. You know, I always got the vibe that Into the Woods was secretly a horror game. I, I mean, I'm like two hours in, and I don't think it is yet. So oh my god, there's. It's it's a little bit tense, and like I said, it's dark, but it's not. Uh, what's the word? It's not like horrific. It's not like in the way that Oxen. It's not like Oxenfree, where it's trying to be a a spooky adventure game. Anyway, Brad, is that all you've been doing? Mm-hmm. Have you been? Can we? Can I ask yep. you one thing? Uh, that's pretty much it. I, well, I've been working a lot on uh, on Seventh Cross and on uh, Imperial Spells and Steam. So, yeah, a lot of stuffs coming on coming along. Well, no, Brad, see, this was supposed to be an elaborate segue into the next segment, but... Okay, um, okay, so, so I have to come up with a new one. So, character three! No, week. here, I'll, I'll do one. Yeah, um, so, next week on BattleCon Online, um, uh, or rather, in the next three weeks in BattleCon Online, our upcoming character will be Marmalee. Oh! Woo! The newly, this will be your first chance to play the newly rebalanced, re-updated, re, uh, reviabilitized Marmalee. <laughs> Reviabilit not revitalized, it's re reviabilitized. Yeah. She's viable now. <laughs> she's she's been reviabled, yeah. Oh my gosh. Alright, Brad. Tell us some quick and easy previews for Marmalee Callista. What's her last name? Um Marmalee Marmalee Greyheart is her name. There you go, because her dad's Greyheart. Okay. Because her dad is the Dragon King Greyheart. Her mother is Agena Callista, the Dragon Queen, um, and yeah, that's uh, so. Marmalee is the last remaining princess of the Dragon Empire, which fell a thousand years ago. She was actually born only about six hundred years ago. Only from a yeah from from an egg that was lost in an old temple in the jungles of Amalau. Um, and anyway, so she woke up from that. And she was taken in by the Dryads of Amalau, which is kind of this lost continent um, that's been cut off from the world for, for centuries and centuries. And she was raised by the Dryads to eventually become like the new Dragon Queen, because in Amalau they have a cult where they worshipped the dragons, and they thought that the dragons were the best thing ever. <laughs> of course, we need to be ruled by dragons, and they finally found one, and they're like, oh my gosh, now we're going to be train this dragon to rule over us yes uh, oh my gosh. 
And so she did that for a few, uh, few for a few hundred years. Um, and Marmalee was pretty much a giant brat. Uh, <laughs> and she got everything she wanted and everyone had to do whatever she said and et cetera, et cetera. And she used to have these, these big tantrums. Quick question. Um, Quick question. Yeah. Sorry. When you say giant brat, is this literally like, like, was she actually giant? Well, uh, I mean, she could certainly turn into a dragon, but she wasn't a very big dragon at that point. Okay. Yeah. You know, it takes a long time to become a really, really big dragon, like Berman is. Oh, how um, big? Or okay. Jenna is. How big is baby Marmalee dragon? How big is a baby dragon? Probably about the size of, a, of, a, of an adult. Of an actual human adult. Yeah, in dragon form. Oh my gosh. And then when they turn human, they're baby size, like actual. They're like child size, yeah. Aw, cute. All right, sorry. Sorry for the sidebar. I just wanted to know. No, it's okay. I mean, they're not born helpless like humans are. Oh, so. Okay, I see. All right. Yeah. Keep going. Um, anyway, so she was a huge brat and she threw a lot of tantrums and she used to, to do all this stuff. Anyway, um, one time she uh, accidentally killed a bunch of people. Uh oh. By like like throwing a tantrum and knocking down part of her her the like the the palace and so um, this this got her so distressed that she ran away she flew away to the um, to this island off the coast of Amalau, um called Lakami where all the elementals live and there she kind of set up in seclusion and uh, and ran away from the world for a few hundred more years. Um, and when she came back from this seclusion, she was a much different person. She kind of, uh, was trained by the, the elementals, how to control her emotions, how to, uh, you know, uh, tamp down her temper, how to mature as an actual you know, person. Yeah. How to mature as an actual person. <laughs> so, um, she learned, she learned a bit of discipline and uh, asceticism and, uh, she, and so she came back. And apologize to the the people of the country, and of course they're like, "Oh, Marmalee, we we still worship you. You know, please be our dragon queen." And she was like, "No," she she said she's not going to do any of that. Um, and so they gave her the position of national historian for the uh, for the the um, republic, because Al Amala was actually the one republic in the whole uh, in the whole country or in the whole world of Indians. Oh, okay. And uh, so they gave her the position of national historian, and now she travels around the country collecting stories and recording cultures from everybody in the uh, in this uh, like subcontinent. Uh-huh. I guess it makes sense, right? You would literally like who better to be the national historian than a dragon who probably lived millennia at some point, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of people in Amala will live a long time because they're really closely tied to nature. So the dryads will live a long time and record all their history through their roots and such like that. But they don't travel a whole bunch. Yeah, because they're so, stuck to their trees, right? Yeah, generally. Generally. They're pretty sedentary. Um, so um, aside from that, there's a lot of weird stuff in Amalau too. There's this whole island full of like strange alien creatures. There's a bunch of underwater stuff. Uh, they actually have water dryads that like live in the coral reefs underneath this, under the, in the bays, that sort of thing. Are there trees the corals? Um, it's not totally clear. I see. I won't. Uh, I won't say too much Mystery. about it. But they're like, there's like trees that have coral growing on them. Uh, underwater trees. Underwater trees. All right. The underwater areas are still pretty mysterious, so I don't have a lot of data on those for you yet. Oh man. 
Indians fish people. Indians fish people. There, there certainly are fish people, though. Yeah. I, I don't want them to be like mermaids, though. I want them to be like like half-humanoid scorp like lobster. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything about it. I mean, there are beast folk that, that uh, and you see there are a couple. Like, there's one in Argent that's uh, that's actually a beast folk from Elmalau. Oh, uh, his name's Rokan, and he's uh, in the Technomancy department. So, if you got your copy of Argent, you can look him up. Yay! And if you don't, buy yeah. it. Buy Argent. Yay! Well, you can't right now because it's totally sold out everywhere. Oh that, no! Um, scalp it from the Black Board Game Market. Yeah, well, I think that's just eBay. But anywho, anywho, <laughs> um, Marmalade. Uh, what else about Marmalade? Um, Marmalade is really bad at sorcery. Uh, this might you might not notice this because she can like cast these big spells and destroy a lot of stuff. Uh, but compared to a Jenna, she's really bad at it, and um, she makes up for being bad at it with just you know natural draconic bloodline power. So thing like the kind of power level that people like Kalistar have to work a long time, really hard for. Marmalade kind of gets for free and is still not very good at it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, she can turn pe- people to stone by looking at them, like, just like a Jenna can, just like her mom. Yeah, but uh, she yeah when she gets agitated or upset, she can't control this power very well and accidentally turns things to stone. And this is why she wears these thick glasses to block out the stone gaze effect. Oh, okay. So she doesn't have okay. So she doesn't have a vision problem. She just has a no. vision problem. She doesn't. Have, yeah, she has. She has a, a more of a. Uh, I guess she has. She has a uh, looking yes, problem. What do you call it? That. Yeah. She's got these these dragon eyes that don't always do what she wants them to. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so, I, I have a. And that's not that's not a general dragon power. It's specifically a Jenna's bloodline that has that stone gaze power. Wait, does that mean every dragon bloodline has different kinds of powers? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. They all do different things. What's Berman? Is he just really good at doing sorcery? Uh, we could talk about that in the Berman episode. We but I think fire it. breath. Fire breath is is generally what Berman's. Uh, dra- dragon line is good for i see no we already did a berman episode just yeah we did didn't we yeah yeah, yeah. okay so, well, a few <laughs> yeah. things about marmalade okay so like marmalade doesn't really have like fire breathing oh she just turns things into stone yeah she's she's a stone dragon uh, um and then whatever Greyheart is because Greyheart is a little different than the other dragons too because if i remember correctly the blank king doesn't necessarily mean it's a blank right so the dragon king doesn't necessarily mean it's a dragon he is, um, I mean, he is a dragon, but he's more like, he's more like a, a deity than he is like a, like an individual member of the race. So, he, you know. Yeah, so he's like a god, right? He's more like, he's more like the dragon god. And, uh, and, you know, just like there's like a god elemental and a god dryad out there somewhere that is linked to like the, you know, like the, the core of the, of the plane. Like uh, Greyheart has that kind of connection to the world of Indians. I see. So he's not okay. I, I I think I get it, but I might not. Like the Wolf King is. I don't want to explain it too too. I don't want to explain it too clearly because some of it is plot relevant stuff that uh, that we're gonna reveal later. Oh oh, I'm so. sorry. No no, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. But, yeah. Can I ask you some things about Marmalee? Yeah sure. Number one, are all dragons really 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 tall when they're in human form? Yes, yeah. So how tall is Marmalee? Marmalee is probably about 
like you know seven eight feet tall somewhere in that range oh not 10 feet i thought she was 10 feet tall no no she's not like not like that crazy I see. but like like you 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 would see you would see this person in a crowd and be like that that person is kind of surreal ah and she even wears heels right so she must be yeah. towering over most people um second question does your hair color determine what your dragon scale colors are um, I mean, I guess it does in Marmalade's case because she's pink and in dragon form. But um, I don't know that that's true in general. I haven't made any kind of rule like that. Okay, I see. Does Marmalade like being in dragon form? Um, hmm. it's probably not very effective to get around since the cities she lives in were built for humanoid creatures. Okay, so one last thing. This this is really relevant, Brad, so please. Yeah? What inspired Marmalee's gameplay style in Battlecon Devastation? Like, um, uh. I couldn't gleam it from her lore or from any... Like, she learned discipline, I guess? Is that it? It's, um, I mean, Marmalee's more of your traditional black mage type character that has to charge up a spell for a long time and then use it. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to capture that kind of gameplay in a, in a fighter. Someone who would uh you know build up a big a big attack over multiple turns and then unleash it for um for big benefits over after you know when time was up someone who can threaten you in a in a over over the course of several several turns as they charge up hmm that's interesting cuz huh how do i explain this cuz from the way that she plays mechanically marmalee is quite a defensive oriented character mhm Compared to yeah, an that that style. kind of arose from the needs of that playstyle because in order to be a, um, in order to be a defensive character or in order to survive for multiple turns to charge up an, an attack, you kind of have to be a defensive player. Oh, that make that does make sense, right? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily because Marmalee doesn't like being on the offensive or is a reserved slash defensive kind of person. It just so happened because. That's what would make it balanced. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, that's that's kind of what she needed in order to use that playstyle. So she ended up becoming more defensive. I see. Oh, let's talk about some Marmalee mechanics. So Marmalee is a very, and I mean very, defensive character. Um, who actually, yeah. interestingly enough, I think optimal Marmalee play plays nothing like charge big laser than shoot big laser. That's yeah, but I think that's that's a weakness in her old kit, and I think that's probably going to be addressed in the updates. Tomorrow. Oh, is she going to be like? So, oh, is she literally now going to be charge my laser, shoot my laser? Um, I'm not totally certain where she's going to end up, but that's that's the intended playstyle for her, so she'll probably be closer to that. I see. Okay, because in PaperCon, um, the way Marmalee, like the way optimal Marmalee works, is that you basically try to never spend any of the concentration. So every turn you gain yeah. concentration, and then you gain access to a lot of effects, uh, depending on whether or not you're able to spend your concentration. And then if you get stunned, you lose all your concentration. So the way yeah. Marmalee... Well, I, I told you, with um, with characters that have a specific race, we tried to incorporate that racism, racism motif into the the way they play. So if you notice the dragon characters, Ajena and Marmalee and Berman, they're all these build-up characters who kind of charge up an, an ability over time um, and then unleash it for for some big power spike at the end. Yeah. 
I... Um, Jenna does it over the course of the whole battle for her instant win condition. Berman can use a lot of cool spells by charging up. And Marmalee, it's kind of the same way. While you have this power, you have so many options and so much viability on everything you do. But as soon as you use it, you lose all that. And then you have to wait a few turns before you're viable again. Yeah, indeed. And I think so. that's what makes Marmalee really fun. Like, I, I guess, uh, how do you explain this? Like, she's basically a character who plays cards that are quote-unquote bad, but if you have enough concentration, they're all safe. Like, almost every mm-hmm. attack she plays is safe. So, And almost every attack she does lets you spend the ca- concentration counters as a choice after seeing the board state. So essentially, you can keep playing attacks, and then if your opponent doesn't do something to stop your attack, you can choose to not spend your concentration, and it basically stockpiles over and over. Of course, um, that's not effectively how it turns out, because Marmalee essentially gets stat-gated, so the moment somebody has enough power slash priority, she kind of like falls to the... She gets crushed under it. She gets crushed under the stats. Then Force Gauge helps her out a little bit, but she's still going to get a few buffs for the upcoming Devastation Remaster. And you'll be able to see those in advance on BattleCon Online. Yes. Oh my gosh. A lot of characters have been coming into BattleCon Online, receiving adjustments, you know, getting better. Schecter's getting nerfed, thank goodness. Um, and Cesar, <laughs> Cesar, Cesar, Cesar's also getting nerfed, thank goodness. You know, Rothlam got some buffs. And it's, it's really interesting getting to see all these characters quickly evolve. Because basically every every patch that comes out, like, this character gets changed, this character gets changed. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's uh, it's it's good because we got a lot of data now that will help us to, you know, to under- understand where the characters are and what's going on with them. And also we've got uh, a great team running balance on it. So shout out to uh, to Daniel Anderell. Who is um, who's leading balance on this project and going through all the characters and really um, handling these matchups in a way that I can't do myself. So uh, I want to say props to him for for making BattleCon Online really stand out in terms of the balance and uh, replayability of the characters. Speaking of so, speaking of which, by the yeah. way, I want to please please everyone if you want to get in on helping us make BattleCon Online the best BattleCon Online it can be. Um, go over to the Discord, the link for which can be found in the description down below, and we will literally, and I mean literally, get you in on the stuff so that you can help us balance, and, you know, Daniel, for as awesome as he is, still needs more people to test. Yeah, more, the more statistics, the better the balance we can get, um, and, uh, yeah, we certainly need, uh, need more help with that, so give us a hand, help us balance. Help us balance. All right. So that pretty much does it for our Character of the Week segment. If you want us to talk about the specific Character of the Week, um, please tell us in the comment section down below, and we will get to the character as soon as possible. This week was Marmalee because, you know, she's coming out. Um, so, you know, now that we've brought back this segment, can we get some more suggestions? So, Brad, tell me. Yeah. Brad, tell me, tell me, tell me. Are you ready to answer some 99 questions, which is served, hot, baked, fresh, or it's free? From the mouths of our listeners, straight into the palm of our hands, which we'll then put into our ears. That's uh, that's that's quite a uh, quite a range of motion. Oh, uh, what question number are we on anyway, Marco? Oh wait, post reboot, after reboot, like after the dark and gritty reboot. After I guess. the after the dark and gritty reboot, we're basically at like question sixty something at this point. Really? Well, what are we gonna do when we get to ninety nine again? We're we gonna do another. 
a darker, grittier reboot? Uh, no, no, we're going to do the reverse. We're going to subvert it, right? We're going to do, like, ultra-family-friendly reboot. Okay. So we're going to turn into okay. level, level Cap Podcast Go, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like Teen Titans okay. Go. So essentially we'll get worse. Okay, that's not good. We we can't, <laughs> we can't get... I don't know what's happening anymore. Let's just go to the questions. <laughs> All right, sure. Okay, Brad... Let's list down some of these. Let's let's ask some of All these right. questions. Question number one actually well, comes from. Huh? Wait. It says. You. Wait. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with the first question this time, Marco, because I wanted to ask you. You've done a lot of a lot of videos and a lot of stuff for for level ninety nine games throughout the years, and I wanted to know what if you could have everybody watch one of your videos. Which one is your favorite video? Like the one that you'd say like everybody ought to watch this because this is my finest work. Oh, finest work or the because mm. because there's a difference between what I believe to be the like most well produced good video and what I feel is my favorite. Well, why don't you tell us both? Okay, if it's like the most well produced piece of work, it was probably be the last episode of Battle Guides because you know it's the last iteration, so it's, it is literally the best thing I could have made at that point, right? Which character is that one? I think for? it's so- uh, is it. Huh, I think it's... it's someone from Trials, wouldn't it be? No, it's, it's someone from Fate. We haven't done Trials yet. We've only done previews. Oh, oh, okay. Right? Because people have been telling me, Marco, we need Trials. And I'm like, I haven't gotten enough games on the Trials characters to make guides on them, guys. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Trials, I haven't even gotten my copy of it yet. So. Uh. Oh. Yeah. I mean, well, we should, probably, we should probably look into that. Everybody else has got it by now. Oh, whoopsies. <laughs> okay. Um. No, but seriously... Um, I think it's uh, somebody from Fate. It, it has to be someone from Fate. Uh, I think it's Eustace? Oh, okay. uh, a- anyway, just the latest episode is probably the most well-produced one. Has, like, the best, you know, backgrounds. Probably some of the better script writing. And, you know, it's concise and it's nice, right? Mm-hmm. But what I think is the most awesome thing that I've ever made... Um, it's actually not a video. If anyone were were to read slash watch something that I made, it would be my article about. I I made an article about um parrying. Uh, it's on the official blog site, link for which I'll probably put in the description down below. But yeah, I made an entire article about parrying, and that's one of my favorite articles I've ever written. So, yeah. Um, the reason why I oh, love it okay. so much is because. Um, it was a concept, and so, so it's like, how do I explain this? Rarely is it the case that I make a piece of content or I make a video because somebody else taught me that thing and I now want to teach that thing to other people. Most of the time, I just learn the things through natural play and then teach <laughs> the people or use my previous experience and then try to turn that into a digestible chunk of information for people to digest, or for people to take in, right? But parrying was a concept that I never really explored uh, back when I was playing BattleCon with my friends. Uh, it's just not something that we did in our meta. Uh, because It's pretty, pretty high-level stuff. It's pretty high-level stuff. Also, my friends made Dim- Dimitris, so... Oh, so yeah, that kind of takes off the table. Too. It never happens, man. It never happens. So, yeah. So when I started playing a lot of BattleCon online and BattleCon on sheets, it started becoming a big thing. Uh, shout outs to um, 
D slash Tirenkin slash Daniel Zeiger. Haha, pronounced your name right. Uh, and Elephant, uh, because they are literally the people who do this to me all the time. And I hate it. I hate it whenever they do it to me. It's hard. It sucks. Because, oh, yeah, because I'm not used to it. But oh, okay. be- because they kept doing it to me, I'm like, okay, there are objectively good things or good reasons to do this thing. Right to purposely clash mm-hmm. people, and because I learned that through play, because other people who were teaching me essentially taught me this new concept, I was able to, I guess, better teach it to other people. Because most of the time, when I'm learning things through natural play, I'm not sure whether what I, I'm not always a hundred percent sure whether what I'm saying is actually correct or just me like attributing some random stuff and going, oh, this must be a thing, right? Mm, magic numbers, uh-huh. right? But like this thing is a, <laughs> <laughs> but this thing is an actual thing that people have agreed on, and people. Well, have I think really that's 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 part of the. I think that's part of the culture around the game is that you you discover these things and they they are they're just the way the game is. But then you you know you layer onto them, like you said with magic numbers. Like it's a thing that you know we didn't specifically build into the game. It's just a, a feature of balance, and then, um, but it becomes something that players can understand and talk about and create a culture around. You know, around how around how they talk about the, the characters in the game, it's really neat. Um, and I think that uh, that yeah, parrying is another one of those things where clashing is it's a neat way to resolve the ties, but it actually became a major part of gameplay through the um, you know as the game evolved with the community around it. Yeah. Oh so my gosh. It's pretty neat to see how how all that's come together, and uh, you know, and also how players use that to evolve the uh, the like guess for the for lack of a better word, the mythos of the game. The way that that you the way that the game plays out in your mind's eye, what you imagine that each of these mechanics represents in terms of uh, in terms of a real battle. Yeah. Speaking of which, I guess so. I have a question about that. Like, in your mind, what was clashing like? Like, what was it supposed to represent? Um, I think it was. I mean, um, I guess it's that moment when you both attack at the same time and your hitboxes overlap and you get blown back. That kind of happens in Guilty Gear and um, in uh, Blaze Blue, you know some of the Axis fighters or the Arc System Works fighters. Mm. Okay, yeah. But yeah, Clash wasn't actually suggested by it wasn't actually my idea. It was suggested by um, one of the playtesters. Oh, um, yeah. Well, and um, so that uh, that so it was one of the things that that a playtester was like, well, why don't we just do this as a like as an alternative rather than just having whoever was fastest last turn wins. It used to be like. You know, exceed. an initiative type system, yeah, exceed. like, like uh, kind of like exceed, um, but still with a simultaneous play. But but anyway, someone was like, "Well, why don't we just resolve it in this other way?" And I was like, "That's really cool. Let's do it." And it became a uh, a key part of the game. Yeah, it became. Oh my gosh, it's it's such a key part of the game, and like, oh man, I just love clashing. I mean, like, I mean, I hate playing against Cherry, but I love clashing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Cherry's always been a favorite. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe someday she'll make it back to BattleCon online. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Brad, what have you done? <laughs> All right, Brad, here's another question, but this one's for you. I guess for both of us. If you had right. to play a board game against death for your soul, what game would you choose? Uh, well, I guess the important question is, is death going to cheat? Is this going to be like, you know, like in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure where you have to fight one of the Darby brothers? Um, or, um... Is this going to be a, uh, a like a fair game all the way through? I guess it's like 
a fair game in the sense that death won't necessarily break the rules, but death has thousands of years of experience on top of you. Yeah. So um, I guess I'd play the only the only game you can play against death uh, fairly, which is shoots and ladders. <laughs> so you're leaving it all to random chance. Is that... Well, so um, it's an interesting thing you may not know that um, shoots and ladders is actually one of the oldest board games, and it's appeared in multiple cultures going all the way back to like the Middle Ages. It's been in India. It's been in uh, you know um, in like Byzantium. It was in like early America, in Europe, um, like all the different countries of Europe. And every time that the game shows up, it's a game about about life. It's about the the virtues and that, that bring you up and the vices that carry you down. And um, even though it is just random throws of the dice or random draws of the cards, the the idea is that this game was designed to teach players that if they if they pursue discipline and morality and um, virtue and all the good things in life, that they will advance further. And if they fall into these traps of of vice and indolence, that they will sink lower in uh, in life. So I would say that uh, that that shoots and ladders is kind of the game we all play against death all the time. Okay. What? Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. Uh, but what would you play, Marco? Uh, I can't beat that answer. What? <laughs> I should have gone first. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was awfully profound. That's. Oh. It's 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 shoots and ladders a bit more profound than you might imagine. Ah. Uh, okay. Um. I would play. Oh my gosh. I guess the only board game I know how to play. Let's play some Battlecon Death. Look, here's the thing. 50-50s. <laughs> it's, it's, but what if uh what if what if uh Death plays uh you know Octavia or Caitlin or Eric even? Oh no. <laughs> I guess that just means I have to play one of them too. <laughs> then it would be truly uh, yeah. a battle to the death, right? Um It'll be absurd. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think Death always plays Vana, though, so you're probably okay. Oh, yeah, that's true, because... Oh, lore jokes. Lore jokes. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I won't even explain uh, it. Only the lore people will get it. Okay. Anyway, right. anyway. Um, Last question. Let's see. This one's yeah, for yeah. you. And this one's for you. Is there any chance that we'll see the individual BCO-style art cards in physical form? Perhaps in the latest Devastation update? So, I mean, here's the thing. I have always wanted to do the full illustration cards, but um, for the sake of consistency with the physical game, we haven't done it. And given that we'd reprint 30 characters in Devastation um, with those cards, even if we print them with those cards, we would then eventually be committing ourselves to going back and re-remastering War and remastering Fate and remastering Trials with those kind of style arts on every card. So I don't think that it's a good idea from the standpoint of supporting the game, the physical game that we've already made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It would be great in like you know in five or ten years when we come back and we say you know this is this like you know like. Battlecon's been, uh, you know, like if we decide to bring it back someday, you know, oh. in like tenth anniversary edition or something. But the game would have to, the game would have to be to be dead and then be brought back for such a big change as that. Battlecon definitive edition. 
Yeah, so I don't think that we'll put art on every individual card. No. Um, just because this, just because of the the issue of consistency with the rest of the games that are out now. I see. Okay, I mean, like that's that fun. said, we we do have other cool things planned for the devastation update. So, and we'll be announcing some more of those in as time goes by. Um, but for right now, the big thing is Imperial, so that's what we're going to be talking about and pushing for the moment. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Wait, was that a train joke somewhere? Hmm. Uh, no, there was no train joke. It was just it was just regular old trains. Okay, I see. Uh, yeah. I okay. Look, was there a train joke there? I can make a train joke if you want. Please, I am in eternal I think hell. You're, your inquiry is is going off the rails here, though. Ah, there you jokes. go. So let's get back on Dude. track. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stick stick to your station, Mark. Oh my gosh! All right, guys. Thank you so much for answering all those questions, Brad. And that pretty much does it for our ninety nine question segment, where we answer the hot baked questions straight from your lips into our pockets. So, Brad, tell me, do I have your permission to end end my suffering? Well, I feel like you're kind of railroading this towards the end of the uh, the episode. <laughs> But uh, you know, sure, sure, you can, uh, you can, we can, we can pull this podcast into the station and call it a, call it a day. All aboard the ending segment. Choo choo. Oh wow, <laughs> you must be really tired, Marco. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for putting you through this. This podcast has run a little bit long. Oh no, it's okay. I loved all of that lore stuff, man. Look, here's the thing: whenever we do a character of the week, the episode gets long. And that's fine. Yeah, we do We do tend to start rambling on. But it's great. Uh, I love all the lore that we end up going into. But regardless of that, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Level Cap Podcast. If you guys have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please put this in the... Uh, please tell us in the comment section down below whether you're listening to this on the blog site or you're listening to this on YouTube or wherever you may find your podcast. Also, also as a big, big deal, um, if you guys listen to this podcast and found it interesting and found it cool, perhaps tell a friend about it. You know, maybe they'll find their musings about snakes and shoots, shoots and ladders, snakes and ladders, shoots and ladders. What is it again? Like, cause it's, it's shoots and ladders. I mean, it's always, it's shoots and ladders, snakes and ladders. You know, they're, they're all different. Every culture is different. I see. Cause in, cause in my place it's snakes and ladders. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I guess there's a lot of like Christian imagery there because snakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in a predominantly Christian country, so I guess that makes sense. Anyway, if you guys, um, you know, if you guys have a friend, share it with them if, they think you, you, if you think they'll enjoy it. If you have an enemy, share it with them if you think they'll hate it. Either way, the news gets out, it's going to be fine. So as usual, it has been me, your host, Marco DeSantos, also known as Mechanic Critic, slash Eminem Kami, slash some Asian guy. And with me has been my wonderful co-host who has given me some deep life lessons to think about after this podcast. Uh, Brad. Just Brad. Oh. Yep, that's me. Wait. Are you sure you're just Brad? Brad tell. Yep. All right. And as usual, thank you so much for staying with us. Don't forget your special action. And thank you, World of Indians. Thank you. And good night. Good night. Happy gaming. Happy gaming. You know, I don't always have to say my catchphrase the way you do. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm sorry.